Welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And here's your host, Paul Winkler. And uh, welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, Paul Winkler and... Dan Hill and Evan Barnard, and we're having way more fun than we ought to be having. It's behind the <laughs> scenes. Especially for an investor. This is show. really fun. Yes. Yeah. You guys, somehow we have to capture the in between segments on this show. No, we, no, no. We need another outtakes. attorney. <laughs> <laughs> we, that part. we need another attorney. <laughs> I can just keep it rolling. Our attorney fires. <laughs> That's really funny. That is really funny. So, uh, yeah, before you, and, and I had to rush that last segment of the, the last hour. So I, I was doing the thing on five signs it could be time to fire your advisor. And this is something that we, there was an article that was out there. Apparently a few people had read about it and asked us, asked uh, Dana about it at the front desk here at our office. And a couple of questions, you know, they're fiduciary. They better keep your best interest first. Yep, Absolutely. Then they dismiss your input. If they dismiss your input, that's a problem. And the problem is, is that, of course, if you're giving input uh, and you don't, <laughs> and the input, you know, as, as some input is fine. But if you're saying, this is the asset class I want more, I want you to load up a little bit more on this. I want to own a little bit more real estate. I've had people say, I want healthcare stocks because Americans are getting older. Uh, you know, I've had people say, oh, I'd like to own some real estate in the portfolio. Can we put gold in the portfolio? You know, they'll ask for things like that. And we'll say, you know, okay, if we put that in there, then we are no longer fiduciary. So negate point number one. Then they're difficult to reach. You know, yeah, you want to be able to reach them, but you don't want to reach them to go and change the portfolio because you just got scared because the market went down, or you became euphoric because the market just went up, and you want to add more stocks, or you want to you know change your asset mix because of that. Then again, they're negating their duty to be a fiduciary. Uh, they don't give you details. Was another one. Yeah, absolutely. They ought to be able to give you details. Mm -hmm. We love educate, 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 educate. No question. Fifth point: they don't take time to get to know you. Yeah, uh, I've, I've I would found, agree with that one. For I, sure. I totally agree. That's the one I completely agree with. They need to know. You need to know a lot about the client. What are their goals? What are their dreams? Uh, what assets they have? Is there a possibility of an inheritance in the future? What do they want to have happen? They're, they have kids. They want to have kids inherit. You know, money in what form? Can they handle the money? Do they have the ability, the the wherewithal to handle money? Some kids will have that wherewithal. Some kids won't. Uh, some kids are very responsible. Some are irresponsible. And do we change things based on that? How long are they going to work? What's the likelihood that they may become unable to work because of cognitive disabilities or, or whatever? Yeah. So there are a lot of things that you want to know. What their social security benefits? Uh, making sure that you know exactly what those benefits are so that they're allocating uh, assets properly, but also taking social security to their greatest advantage. So, yeah, I would, I would almost put, uh, reason five as part of the client putting input into the portfolio meaning i thought you were going to say that you'd put it there because that's what a fiduciary would do but okay well, go ahead the, i mean to me all oh, of that oh, oh, conversation that, that, that is, around point five yeah. Yeah. is that is the input that the client needs to put into the creation of the portfolio absolutely when am i going to spend it you know what's my money background 
did I inherit this? Was I an entrepreneur and I started with zero and now I've got four mil? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To me, that's the client input of the entire process. Yeah, yeah, no question. I think that's a really good point. Yeah, Dane? Yeah, I was just going to say, I think 0.5 should be 0.1. You know, that's... Yeah. I mean, fiduciary, well fiduciary like I said, you can say you're fiduciary and still not really be a fiduciary. Mm-hmm. Right. You got the label, but you're mm-hmm. not practicing it. But you got to know their story. Well, I, I've seen firms. Go anywhere. I've seen firms, and I know lots of them around here, that everybody has to have an annuity. That's yeah. oh, part yeah. of the requirement. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. The trifecta. Yeah. Uh, you annuity, know, everybody's uh, got to have, you know, I remember Jonathan. Jonathan Walker telling this story, yeah. a financial yep. advisor they worked with, right? And Jonathan oh, yeah. worked a l- hard and long at putting together a financial plan for the client. And the planner, because he worked for one of the banks, right. and the planner said, this one gets an annuity, this one gets a mutual fund. That was it. Right. Hey, so you didn't even look at the plan I came up with. Doesn't matter. This one gets an annuity, this one gets a mutual fund. And worked, he had he had a certain things that he was supposed to sell. I, I worked at that same bank and probably left for the same reasons. Did you really? Yes. I did not know that. Because everybody's got to have okay. one. No no story. What's your story? I got 600 grand. Boom. Here's a product for you. They're product salesmen. There's no planning. There's no conversation. Yeah. yeah you know, this is where I put my money. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, this, it's, Good point. Good point. You're bringing back horrible so, so that, uh, that, so that pretty much. Yeah. Okay, I'm done with that art. What do you got, Evan? <laughs> well, this is this is kind of dovetailing off of that uh, as it gets to understanding your client. And oh, 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 wait, wait, wait. I, I, I said I promised I would say where it came from. Oh, that's wait a minute. Uh, Thank you very much for remembering. Right, here. it came from Cosmo. No, <laughs> it came from a company that bugged the tar out of one of our guys oh. to sign up. To be a uh, an advisor, a recommended advisor. Oh, <laughs> so so you know what they do is they write articles like this and they say to find a vetted advisor or whatever term that they use. I'm yeah. not going to use the same exact term because you'll okay. go find out who it is. To find a vetted advisor that is you know a great advisor, we'll give you three or four advisors in your area that meet our criteria. Well, I just wanted to point out that the criteria really stunk. <laughs> Yeah. But anyway, go ahead, Evan. And they shall remain nameless. Um, yeah. Um, we might go back to that, actually. That's funny. Okay. Um, thinking about education and being a fiduciary and explaining things to clients and them understanding it, uh, obviously, this will be a nameless email that I'm going to read from okay. a client. Okay. Uh, was touching base with a client. They'd been retired and you know so forth. Just more of an annual uh, review conversation. Uh-huh. And we made some changes based on stuff that made total sense. We weren't adding gold or going to cash. Just uh-huh. plans have changed. You know, their their bucket's grown X. Plan changes, you make changes to the plan. Yep. Hello, Evan. We enjoyed our time with you last month. I forgot to ask you, with our Roths now allocated at 85% equity and 15% fixed, what are our expected nominal returns and standard deviation? Thanks again for your help. And so, you know, that's the kind of stuff we talk about with our clients and like, mm-hmm. okay, this is what you should be expecting. And here's the, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. this is the volatility. And we had, we didn't touch on that. I mean, they've been a client for a long time. Right. But that's the kind of stuff they wanted. See, to, see, yeah. And I just, I saw that email. So I've got to read that on the show because it just warmed my heart. 
Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. So those of you that don't know what on earth Evan just said, that's something you, you need should. to know. You should. You should be one know. of our clients. Yeah. yeah, so so the point is is this, is when we talk about when we talk about investing, you have two sides. Sometimes people will only look at return. That's the only thing that they look at when you've got to look at risk because when you have a standard deviation, which is how you measure risk, that is too high. The ups and downs are too high. When you're taking income from a portfolio, you can literally run it into the ground Two portfolios, one that has an, an expected return, let's say just 10%, I'm just gonna use that. And then you have second portfolio with an expected return 10%. Now, just because they have the same expected return does not mean that they will deliver income the same way. Right. Because the one that has higher volatility, you could run it into the ground, the other one would be just fine if you ignore the standard deviation or the volatility of the portfolio. And the client knew that, which is really cool. And knew the standard deviation of the old portfolio, and we just did, you know, we didn't nail it down. But that's that's the kind of level of detail that gives people peace of mind. And when you do have a dip for a quarter, or even Bitcoin does great, gold does great, whatever, the phone don't ring. <laughs> that's right. You don't. You don't. You don't get worn out with. I'm scared. What's going on? Yeah. Yeah, and you know, and we don't mind if somebody calls up and they forgot. Yeah, for you know, sure. it's okay. You know, it's, we're not saying don't call us. Just saying, you know, it is something that if you understand what you're doing, why you're doing it, what to expect, and and those types of things, you don't worry. Like you don't need people, to call. People tell us all the time. Yeah, we, we just don't worry. Uh, NAR finds first our share of first time home buyers is smaller, older than before. This is interesting what's going on. I was Say listening to something in uh, on CNBC, and I'll, I'll cover it again in just a second. But it, what they were saying on CNBC, they were talking about people's fears and thing that, things that are going on, what people are worried about. And it says, how do we get across to people that the economy isn't as bad as they think it is? How do we get that across? Why is that people have this this belief that the economy is so bad and that there are so many problems out there when you know you really look at it and things aren't that bad? That's the point. You know, this is regular media. Mm -hmm. You know, CNBC, one of the regular channels, right? Right, right. They're going through and they're talking about it, and and the guy that was on with them just goes, "Well, you know, I'll tell you, NAR finds first share first time home buyers smaller." He didn't necessarily reference this particular article, but the data in the article he did reference, which basically says this. At just 26%, the share of first-time homebuyers was the lowest since NAR began tracking the data. The typical first-time buyer was 36 years old. I don't know when you guys bought your first place. I know I was 26. like 26. I think I it's was 36 now. It's an uh, 23. I think so. It's an all-time high. It is an all-time high right now. Uh, these people, they says the median distance between the home that recent buyers purchased and the home from which they moved. So this is if they did home, own a home before. It was 50 miles. And it says the shares of homes purchased in small towns, 29% rural areas, 19% were at all-time highs. And I'm thinking. That's kind of good, though, because they'll probably become more conservative, don't you think? Yeah. <laughs> if they're buying homes in smaller towns. But um, in all seriousness, in all seriousness, it says when compared to a year ago, the share of first-time home buyers dropped to a record low, while the share of, uh, of uh, it says, uh, while the age of the typical first-time home buyer increased to an all-time high, median distance buyers moved 
from their previous homes more than tripled. And they said basically what's going on here is even if you look at second time buyers, second time buyers in, in this article, they pointed out they actually, uh, it, it climbed. The typical repeat buyer's age, repeat buyer, 59 years, 59 years. And you think about that. I don't know when you guys bought your second home, uh, but I'm sure it wasn't 59 no <laughs> i mean i mean i may have been oh man maybe uh 30 you mean you 30? mean your second primary residence yes not your second lake house yeah yeah no second no no home. no moving from oh. where we lived yeah and moving up to the got next house yeah. was yeah. like probably age 30. i've probably had and a dozen houses so you yeah. ask and, and, and a dozen okay probably so so yeah so the point that i'm making is that these people are saying, well, why is it that people are concerned, you know, about the economy? It's this. This is an issue. A lot of people are concerned about real estate. L younger well, people, especially thinking, I'll never be able to form, afford a home. Yeah. And let me yeah, just add a perspective of a more, more middle-aged person than mm -hmm. you two youngsters. So one of the things I like is you're cited the source last time because a lot of it has to do with the source we all know that we can take statistics and make them sing whatever mm -hmm. song we want them to sing mm -hmm. me having two 36 and 38 year old sons that that has changed okay uh, with evan's son being one of the exceptions what kids, what has changed kids aren't getting married that young 30, 30 and having children yeah and that's true yes okay that is so true. interest rates do play a a part of it, mm -hmm. but nowadays kids. I coach baseball for twenty seven years, as you know, and all my a lot of my kids, my sons, uh, are having babies now, and they're all right around thirty years old. Okay, so that I just wanted to throw that out there because it's changing. And to go back to when you asked when did I buy my first home, and I use this when I'm teaching classes. What was the interest rate when I bought my first home at twenty three, four, five, whatever uh, it was twelve. 13.5. 13, yeah. Mm -hmm. And was I going to just live in a car or stay with my mommy? No. <laughs> I was going to go out and get a house. And, well, then, it is, and you just said interest rates, but that's not what they said was the reason here, Dan. The reason they said that people are not buying is, A, yeah, interest rates was part of it, right. but it was historically low inventory. Because you uh, have people that are locked into 2% mortgages that won't leave their house. They won't sell their house. Uh, so it wasn't that the interest rate's too high. It's the people won't sell their houses, and there just aren't the houses to buy, was one thing. And because of that, the persistently high prices, the prices are higher now than they were even a couple of years ago. Well, relatively speaking, like I said, my first home was $59,000, $700 a month at 13%. I was scared very much mm -hmm. that I would be able to make that $700. Now I wish I had it, but that house today <laughs> probably sells for over $500,000 or a house right. like it, a hundred of them built, be, being built behind my current house here in Spring Hill are $500,000. Two years, five years ago, I bought mine for 300. Right. So it's, it's just well, so question. Yeah. Go ahead. What, what are we saying here? Don't buy homes. <laughs> no. Well, no, no. The point is, is that what I thought was interesting is that the person, the commentator on the TV show was like, the economy's great. Everything's wonderful. Why, why would, why would people have any unrest? 
You know, and why would there be anybody that's even worried about the economy at all? And, gotcha. and the point being that there there are always things that, you know, that are going on, you know, that and this yeah. is one of the things that people are concerned with right now. Yeah. Is, and again, it depends on where you're at. We happen to be in this market, which is one of the top markets in the United States. I think Murfreesboro ranked number 16 mm-hmm. in a study that I just saw. And Clarksville was number 23. Mm-hmm. At one time, a few years ago, Nashville was three. And when we say Nashville, we mean Murfreesboro to Clarksville. So, like I said, they're building 100 houses behind me. There was a little pause a few years ago, but it's the young 30-year-old couples with two kids that are buying those $500,000 $500, houses at 7% because they don't want to live in their car. Well, the data basically says... <laughs> that the first time home purchase is actually significantly up. <laughs> Whatever the reason, it's, it's, oh, it up. is significantly up because, because people are waiting a lot longer. Yeah. And, and, mom and said, a lot of them are saying it's because of those economic yeah. issues. Yeah. Yeah. So go figure. Who knows? And, you know, there, there is a point to be made. What you're saying, Dan, is, is that, you know, there was there's a lot of research from the psychological side that says that what is happening with kids is that there's one guy and um uh, I think it was, yeah, it was, yeah, his guy is a fairly conservative guy in, in that field. And basically what he says is that kids are actually dealing with a lot more complexity today than ever before. And what's happening is it's taking them longer to develop. He's, he's talking about brain development. He's a brain development guy. Yeah. And he talks about, you know, they actually do a lot of research on how the brain develops. And, and it's, you know, the point being that you're born with a brain, but it literally continues to develop, but it's taking a little bit longer. So that boasts to your point that people are getting married a little bit later, you know, yeah. for that reason as well. Yeah. But anyway, so it's interesting. I don't know. Listening to the Investor Coaching Show, Paul Winkler, Dan Hill, and Evan Barnard. Uh, and we'll be right back after this. Stay tuned. Hey, guys, if you want specific advice for your unique situation, schedule a free 15-minute phone chat with one of our trusted advisors by going to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. We don't sell any products, and our advisors don't make any commissions, so this isn't a sales call. We have a coaching process that helps you understand investing and relax about money. Don't put blind trust in anyone with your financial assets. We want to partner with you in the process so you know what you're doing and why. We manage assets on a fee-only basis, which means that when you do well, we do well, which aligns our interests with yours from the start. We also bring you into the financial planning process that gives you a clear plan so you can find the freedom to pursue your purpose. All our advisors are degreed planners too, with years of experience. So schedule a free 15-minute phone call with an advisor by going to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. All right, we're back here on the Investor Coaching Show. Paul Winkler, Dan Hill, and Evan Barner talking money and investing. Okay, so one of go ahead, your chunk. <laughs> well, yeah, the uh, <clears throat> since we were talking about younger home buyers, mm-hmm. I thought I'd go to the other end of that pendulum, and uh, crypto marketers have a new target audience: your okay. mother. Firms are racing to promote new Bitcoin exchange-traded funds to baby boomers. Mm -hmm. Is Bitcoin a safe investment for baby boomers? The answer, according to a growing wave of ad campaigns, is a resounding yes. The campaigns follow the SEC's January 10th approval of the first U.S. exchange-traded funds that directly hold Bitcoin. And so... You know, uh, here's here's some of the, a script from one of the ads that's up there. 
How can I buy Bitcoin? A contact labeled mom texts in a promotional video from investment firm Van Eck, which posted it on X on January 10th. It's easy now, her child texts back. There are ETFs. Wow. Thank you, Pumpkin, Mom writes, adding a cluster of heart, Thank smiley you, face, and other emojis. And then when you lose your money, you're going to smash that pumpkin. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Touché. Another Van Eck post uh, describes baby boomers as the best generation in the world and Bitcoin as a way to help protect them from government devaluation of their hard-earned money. And so... You know, here we've already we've come through this wave and we had, you know, whatever, 60 percent decline and all these digital currencies that just went away. I don't even think Bankman Fried has even been sentenced yet or something. I've mm -hmm. lost track of the case. Mm -hmm. But Wall Street, there was another headline. I won't dig into this article as much, but it just says Wall Street gets laser eyes in bid for Bitcoin ETF bucks. And the point is, what we talk about all the time is it doesn't matter if it's good or bad for the investor. If there's an appetite for it out there, mm -hmm. it kind of gets back to the whole mm -hmm. fiduciary conversation, mm -hmm. really. Mm -hmm. But if people, the people what they want. Are, are wanting to buy this Bitcoin or even people that don't know about it, they'll craft enough ads that somebody's mom's going to go buy Bitcoin and get wiped out and... Are they going to want to put mom in their basement when, you know, the house is gone kind of a deal? Mm -hmm. I have another question. Mm -hmm. So has anyone done a study on these people that's buying this Bitcoin? Are they trying to get away from government, like, funds, meaning, like, cash flow that's normal? Or, well, did you, know, you, did you, you hear the segment in Leviticus? On, I, I did a thing on uh, Gary Gensler a couple weeks ago, uh -huh. and it was a quote. It was hilarious. I wish I could pull it right up again. I, I don't think I could find it that fast. But basically what he said, he's the SEC chairman. And he says, well, we don't really endorse this. And it was something I'm paraphrasing. And we don't really, this, uh, you know, the SEC is not endorsing this by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, in fact, we have, you know, a lot of evidence that this is being used for nefarious purposes and for, you know, laundering money and, and illegal activity. He named a bunch of things. Right. That it was being used for. And, you know, so the SEC is pretty clear that they're not crazy about this whole idea. Yeah, but, but they approved it. Another, but that's what it's being used for. That was his yeah. point. That was my point. Yeah, but for these grandmas or baby boomers Evan's talking about, it's, it's a shiny new object. Some people are some people are using it because they think it's an investment, right. obviously. It's, 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 it's but, like you said, advertising Bitcoin to hear it. Tom Brady's talking about it. Matt Damon's talking about it. Um, I'll be interested so to hear so if there's any... Bitcoin ETF ads next week on the Super Bowl. Negative Ghost Rider. <laughs> you don't think so? Not after last year. I don't think you so. You don't think so? I don't, I don't think, think so. so. Are you not, not spot Bitcoin? Nah. ETFs? Anything like that? Uh, no idea. Let's make up. Maybe I mean, so you know what a spot that. Bitcoin is. The idea, that's what, that's what they just came out with is a spot Bitcoin, which is the idea that what you can do is, you know, because be, before you were using futures and you weren't owning the underlying and you had a derivative they were derivatives in other words the value of it was derived based on the underlying bitcoin now they actually have bitcoin etfs that own bitcoin is the idea and when when it was issued uh you know the, if you i i mean i'm trying to remember what date it was that it was actually issued but 
if you look at what happened, I mean, it's it's uh you know the oh this this is really good. How's this for a picture, guys? I'll swing my computer around so you can see what happened since that that was issued. Straight down, <laughs> straight down. You know, negative. You know, the looks like I a sh- yo-yo. iShares Bitcoin Trust. Uh, you bought it and you paid ten thousand dollars, and now it's worth, and it's gone. It's no, no it's not gone. <laughs> but you know, you you, you lost. Uh, you know, went down to ninety eight hundred. Yeah, your ten thousand becomes ninety eight hundred. Bam, just like that, and it's not gone, but it's down. You know, so, so safety. Eh, I don't know. So, you know, you can bet on everything in the Super Bowl, the coin toss. and the, So we should have a bet on whether there's going to be any Bitcoin commercials. I say no. <laughs> okay. After, after last year's fiasco. We'll see. The, you'd probably be better off, you know, betting on AFC and NFC. Yeah. <laughs> right. As we talked well, about earlier. Just thinking about it, because the reason I bring this up is uh, uh, Bitwise, which is kind of like an FTX. It's an mm-hmm. exchange. Okay. Or, you know, uh, producer, mm-hmm. uh, they've released a video ad using Jonathan Goldsmith, who, if you don't know his name, is famous for being the most interesting man in the world in the Dos Equis oh, yeah. ads. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I didn't know who that was, but I, and, I know I have so seen they have, the you know, ads on and the, the ad is channels. It's very short script. You know, it's like, it's my friend, you know, Bitcoin. This to be is uh, great to find out. You You're going to be interesting. It, You're going to be, you need you know, to buy they're, it. Yeah. yeah. But that's, they're appealing to a, a different market segment than kind of the hipsters that launched Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So here's his motive. The, the, the guy, the most interesting man in the world. Based on that chart, just figure this out. <laughs> Being paid to do ads? Is that well, what you're talking about, that motive? To go to Bitcoin, watch your money disappear, and it's going to buy you, make you buy more dose There you go. <laughs> hey, this is Paul Winkler. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Investor Coaching Show. You want to learn more about what we do, go to our website, paulwinkler.com. You can watch some of the videos there, and if you're not already a client, you can set up a free initial consultation. Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler, reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more competent investors, and confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one. Advisory services offered through Paul Winkler, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. The opinions voiced and information provided in this material are for general informational purposes only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what investments are appropriate for you, please consult with a financial advisor. Paul Winkler, Inc. does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your particular situation.